Hello, welcome once again. I was about to say hello, good evening and welcome then, but uh, no, just hello and welcome to Marketing Meanders with Sally and Sam. Um, it's, I was just commenting on it being a lovely sunny day here today, which is lovely because the weather forecast was for horrible dull skies. So I'm, I'm very chirpy and happy. And um, today we decided to talk about um, insights, customer insights, um, to do with customer personas, um, which we've touched on in the past. But of course, it's so important to, to get this, I say get this right, I suppose, to evolve it and keep on improving our understanding of personas the whole time. Um, and this cropped up because I've recently been doing um, a, a training course um, uh, with some people in, in, in Oxford and we uh, looked at um, customer insights and uh, a particular model of customer insights, uh, which I'll come to, but it's um, uh, it's Adele Ravella and it's the five insight circle. So I'll, I'll go into that in a little bit, but just wanted to kick us off really, Sally, with, yeah, personas and, and customer insights, which sit behind personas. Why are they important? Um, the trouble is we've all done personas. We've all sat there and thought, oh, I must do some personas. And we've sat there and we've written them and we've made vast assumptions about what they're like. I mean, I have had some clients who think they've only got one persona to deal with, and that's tragic, but we can pop that bubble, bubble quite quickly. But it's the fact that you will have sat there and will have written, well, he's called Gary, he's 35, he's got four children, um, he wants to buy a new car, uh, he really likes cars, um, he likes them to work properly, his real pain point is he doesn't want to be too expensive, persona. And Yes, that's that mm, tremendous. And the, the, the next trouble, troubling thing that happens is you write it up and you've possibly got some kind of template and you've put a fake picture of Gary in there. And then that persona will be filed away and you'll never look at it. Ever. But you've definitely done them. Tick, done the personas, but you don't then take them out and think, now I know about Gary, um, how am I going to relate this to this marketing campaign I'm doing? How is Gary being embedded in this marketing campaign? And maybe I need to know more about what Gary really has, what insights Gary has about this buying process to know how to market to him properly. So it's not good enough just to say, because I know he's got blonde hair, three children, he's 35 is a persona, but it's not nearly enough. You're right. You need to go much, much more deeper into what presses his buttons to buy stuff. So you can't just sit there and go, yeah, there we go. That'll do. It's not a, an answer because we were we just asking before we started talking. And what Sam's got to say about the insight bit is absolutely fascinating. And it makes you kind of squirm that you didn't think of it before. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing, I think, is it, it did... It does make you, I think it's one of those, those issues, isn't it? Where you just, you think it's something we can always do better. Uh, and we're never, and we're never, it's never going to be perfect, but we need to keep revisiting and we need to keep working on it. Because I think you made some really good points there, Sally, about particularly about um, what, what you do. So we'll probably come to this as well. What you actually do with a persona, you know, how do you utilize it? And do you just do this sort of, well, this is part of going through the motions of, you know, how we create a proposition and define our audience, segment it, and we come up with a persona and then, yeah, as you say, lock it in a drawer and that's that. Yep. Um, but then actually that that process before, during and afterwards and continually, this gaining of these insights, as you say, about, you know, what what is it that actually um, you know, so we build this this persona, which is this sort of you know caricature of, of of a person, but with a name, with a surname, understanding 
who they are and what that segment you know needs and requires and and what what's what's oh, my microphone okay so excited what's driven them um, to to this point of actually buying this product or service with with you and um, I was just going to to let people know about the the, the um, uh, top level here so if you want to look it up as well yourself and, and go into this there's yeah. a fantastic work through example of this about someone purchasing an email marketing platform um as i say it's, it's the buyer persona institute and adele Rivella. and these five insight rings effectively one is priority initiative the next is success factors perceived barriers customer journey and decision criteria so um priority initiative is basically um what what conditions business conditions or lifestyle conditions trigger you to actually look at getting this product or service in the first place then you have the success factors which is well what is this actually what are the outcomes i'm looking for when i've bought this thing um then the perceived barriers what do i think is going to stop me from buying this um and why is it barrier in my own mind a perception i have of this product or service or what someone else is telling me um or is it and then the buyer's journey so what is it how do i evaluate options what do i go yeah. through to actually do this uh, and then finally the decision criteria which is what's my role in in this decision to to buy this product or service and who else is involved the cat's getting tangled in sally's um <laughs> microphone and everything so so it's, uh, <laughs> it's making some very interesting buyer decisions <laughs> <laughs> so but we we i mean we were talking offline weren't we about then interpreting that, I suppose. So these insights, which are more in depth, and obviously doing this through market research, actually talking to your customers yeah. or prospective customers to get these insights, what you're going to do first of all, isn't it? I mean, you have to, you absolutely have to remember that once you've just, if you're a new company or got a new product and you've got a, you've developed this buyer persona, you absolutely have to then, when you've actually got some real customers who've bought it, make sure your persona is right. Because you might be, you might find that you've been marketing to them, selling, telling them that it's cheap, and actually some of your customers are saying, "Well, actually, it's a little bit embarrassing that I'm buying this cheap thing. It's exact, absolutely perfect." But telling my folk, my friends, I only spent something, but actually I've got should get loads of kudos after spending thousands of pounds on this car. Maybe cheap isn't the right thing. So it's really important to go back and compare the actuality with what you thought the the persona was going to look like. And then start tweaking it and then start tweaking your marketing. Because you tweaked your persona, you have to tweak your marketing because theoretically your marketing is based on your persona. Mm, exactly. And I think um, to explain this to people in the simplest way is like, what's the customer need? You know, as you say, what's the actual need? And if you're yep. trying to get to that, I mean, um, one way in which um, uh, going through these insight rings of, of getting to this is, is to have this, which I find fascinating. I was saying offline about this journalistic approach. So this sort of qualitative market research where you talk to a, you know, a, a statistically significant portion of your customer segment yep. um, and then actually saying to them, um, this is the best question I thought, which was, um, you know, what, what were you, what happened the day that you decided you had this need? What actually happened or what happened in the days leading up to that? You know, and it could yep. be a, a business thing. Could be, well, I was talking to Frank about, you know, needing to, um, I mean, I used the example of this laptop, didn't I? I've just recently bought a new laptop, everybody. So I was comparing my own buyer journey. Um, and, you know, I was complaining to people left, right and centre about my old laptop. The video wasn't great. The Zoom calls, Windows Explorer started to fall over. I, it would crash in the middle of um, um, talking to people and doing things and I'd lose work. And so those obviously really difficult problems. So it was like a cumulative effect for me over a period of time. On the actual day, I decided I really needed to buy something. Um, Windows Explorer, I think, stopped. 
And uh, I think I dropped out of a call and went, right, that's it. I've had enough. It's ridiculous. And then, yep. But it wasn't just me involved in that as well. My wife was saying to me, why do you still have that laptop? You know, you need to get a new one, get it sorted, do it, get it done. And so when I actually did the purchase, I did it within a few hours in one day. I didn't go around shopping around for weeks and weeks on end. I just went, right, this looks good. Um, I searched Off for what I needed and poof, done. But that there were perceived barriers in there made, made me thinking, oh, it's probably going to be a lot of money. Um, do I really need to do it? Could I just try and refurbish this one, which potentially I could. Um, but what was going to give me my need was to, this is my main tool, which I use for all of my work and it's got to be right. And I've got to spend a reasonable amount of money on it because I have to have it working, you know? So on that day, it was almost like someone was interviewing me saying, why did you do this? And they ask you that question initially, then they dig a little deeper and then a little deeper and just go into all these nooks and crannies of your mind and how it works. That's when you get a proper insight. So you've got, you can see who I am. You can see what I do. You can see how many kids I've got, where I live, blah, 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 blah. But what's going on in my mind? What's the actual thinking leading up to it, which I find fascinating, really. We we talked offline a bit earlier about the insights that people are possibly too embarrassed to tell you. So that actually, when I'm buying a laptop, to be perfectly honest, one of the things I really care about is the colour. I really want it, and I really want it to be nice and thin and look nice. I mean, I know that sounds very superficial, and I do occasionally look at, you know, the the spec inside. But really, you should recognise that that's what people are thinking. That's And and people are usually far too embarrassed just to go, oh, no, I, I don't really understand the spec. I don't care. And so it's it's important to find out because you could absolutely make the colour of your laptop a huge marketing tool. It could be a whole spec for people who want to be, you know, look cool in cafes or all of that kind of thing. So it could you could be actually unplugging a whole new marketing stance for yourself to make it work if you get these insights right. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And that's interesting. It goes all the way back to brand, I think, doesn't it? As you say about, you know, if you want to be the one that's Everyone goes, oh, what's that? That those green laptops all over the place. You know, why why is it green laptop? And you start noticing them and you go, Well, what's all this about? And you ask me, excuse me, it's funny. I haven't seen any green laptops. I've noticed this certain shade of green everywhere. And there's that, that there's like a shamrock on it or something. And you go, What's all that? And you say, Well, it's this fantastic new laptop company who um, are completely carbon neutral and therefore they want to push their carbon you know, neutral credentials in all being green, you know. Yep. The, green laptops incorporated whatever and you go oh wow fantastic um so there is that if you remember the old what were the laptops they used to have back in the day gateway computers was it I think oh my goodness had, me that's a long time ago it is, isn't it they had <laughs> was it Frisian cow print yes, I think they didn't they? And I think they were from Ireland funnily enough uh-huh. um and I always remember that I think it was one of our first sort of proper laptops in our uh, laptop sorry computers um desktop computers in our house and I think we bought several from them in the end, but a lot of it was like was recognizable. It's there. It's, you know, and that, so that was a, a part of it. You know, it was, when you look for a laptop, there's obviously going to be so many different similar specs you can get. Yep. But it, but as you say, things like color, I mean, um, again, I'm, I'm big alert here. This is not to caricature, caricature or characterize um, or all um, uh, females as, as, as being after color, et cetera, because, yeah. you know, colors and I like aesthetics as well. But when I got this computer, my wife commented on the color immediately uh, and said, you know, and, and quite often I know if she's buying a new laptop, she will be far more interested in the aesthetics, whereas I'm like, but here's the spec and blah, blah, blah. But she knows she can leave the spec decision to me um, uh, and say, right, you, these are the ones I like, tell me which is the best in terms of actual spe- specification. 
So that buyer decision-making process in terms of the persona shows that I'm I'm influencing that. I'm an influencer. I'm not the end user. I'm not the actual purchaser. My wife is, but there are things that are important to her and there's things that are important to me on her behalf, if that makes sense. So but it is really interesting to work out when influencers become important. So is it just at the very beginning that you just think I'm a bit, I'm a bit stuck, I'm not quite sure how to think, I'll just talk to this person for a bit and then I'll carry on with my own customer journey? Or do you start the customer journey and how intrusive are these are, your, are these influencers? Do they kind of, you, you're nearly there and then someone's just walked past you and noticed that you're, you're just on an Amazon page about to buy something and they go, Oh, are you sure you want to buy that? Are you absolutely sure that's the right one? Because actually what I think is blah, blah, blah. So when do these influencers arrive? And it might be that you need to market to these influencers as part of your marketing campaign might need to be to other people. Because, you know, we came up with the example earlier about people who are Apple people. If you're an Apple person, you're a completely Apple. And Apple has a lot, lot of good things about it, but Apple people te- seem are utterly, utterly Apple. Apple can almost do no wrong. So you know that these influences. If I was said to one of my manic Apple friends, "Oh, I'm going to do laptop," he'd go, "Oh, you're going to get a MacBook." Uh, I w- um, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, yeah, get a MacBook, and that's it. That's as far as it goes. So you need to be really careful about how the influences. Involve, are involved in the customer journey and you need to make sure the customer journey you've carried your carry you're walking next to your customer tighter and tighter and tighter because what you don't want to happen is to, for them to get to that point when they're about to press the button and then their friend comes in and goes if you're not buying a macbook forget it so you need to make sure that you're right there all the way through with their customer journey otherwise you lose them yeah ex- exactly and and I, and I think that's part of that really important sort of the mapping of the persona, isn't it? Because you're thinking about, you know, then actually that translates directly into marketing tactics in terms yeah. of, okay, well, do I need the, you know, the, the perceived barriers, which might my, my influencers might be sharing with me to say, oh no, well, it's going to be too expensive or you don't want to do that because this is the best brand you can utilize. And, you know, if you have, if you understand, you've got to that thing of saying, you know, actually that journey of saying, well, um, yes, I was, I was thinking of getting a laptop and I had three friends who were all designers said to me, you've got to get a MacBook. And you go, okay, well, how do I offset that? Is it having a inform- simple information sheet or video which says, look, I'm going to comp- compare um, uh, the, the, pr- the performance of this against the MacBook, you know, and actually the MacBook is 500 pounds more expensive. And, you know, even like, you know, we were talking about authenticity the other day, it could be that the laptop um, company say, do you know what? A MacBook is more expensive. Yes, you may get an extra couple of years worth of use out of it actually because of the way it's been designed and designed, which is being authentic and genuine about performance. But these are the benefits of our one. So you can have that, but if you don't want that, you want a Windows laptop for use of doing X, Y, and Z as a freelancer, blah, 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 then this is probably a good choice, you know? And then yeah. other people who are, you know, it's, it's the type of um, testimonials you use and it's the type of, you know, information you provide to help that decision-making process and people going, okay, well, yeah, I've got a little thing here which I can shoot to my other half to say, you know, like a little video to say, you know, you're worried that this was going to, I don't know, uh, was going to get too hot. Uh, the computer going to get too hot and <laughs> yes. might burn the house down. This shows that they actually have these energy, da, 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 and, and you know, yep. if it gets above this temperature, then they actually give you your money back and things like that. You know, so Absolutely. those again, addressing those perceived barriers, working with your influencers and just people who are on your decision-making journey is absolutely. If you've got those insights you can actually preempt and, and utilise that in your, in your marketing and your communications to people. So it's, it's really yeah, helpful. And this is, 
as you said, it's so part of your brand. And this is the kind of thing, it gives you such a nice kind of bulk of content. So if you're trying to think about campaigns, thinking, oh my God, what bloody content am I going to put out about this? I haven't got anything else to say about this laptop. Talking about how other people, how influence might be, what other people might be, how people might be slagging it off or saying this is better is a, just delicious bits of content. And if you can actually get some authentic customers saying, well, I wasn't going to buy this because blah, blah, blah. But then I was because I was some everyone had told me, no, it needs to be blue. But actually now I've got a green one. It's absolutely ideal. That's just perfect. A little bulk of content that you can use all over the place. And it's completely green leaf. It's just really, really useful content. So getting your personas and actually getting it deeply inside their brains gives you a whole host of benefits. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I suppose it's one of those things where you said it's getting these insights and then testing these insights as well. So as soon as you've got this, and I, I was just showing this thing the other day, I was I was sort of looked at it, I was thinking, gosh, I was sort of saying to these people in this classroom, like all marketing is like a cycle. It's a continual revolution. And you're constantly learning, implementing, uh, measuring, learning, implementing, learning, you know, hating your understanding, yep. you're just going round and round and round and round. And and, and so much of it is that, isn't it? It's that sort of, you know, actually, um, you know, we, we, we all need to do so much more um, understanding what, say, what makes our customers tick. But as I say, just identifying this need and having these deeper insights. And I just find it a really interesting thing to do. It, it, it's, it's something that absolutely requires budget, of course, and time. And time, yeah. And that, that's critical, isn't it? Because, I mean, yeah. it, it's one of the main reasons why people wouldn't do it. Yeah don't do it, have never done it, or don't do it regularly, because they've done that persona. They've, they've yeah. got it, and they go, well, we spent time on that. Now we're just in the doing. We need to just get on with it. And people don't know how to do it. I mean, a lot of marketers don't know how to gather together a group of customers and ask the right questions and find and find those insights. So it's one of those things that you could probably work out how to do it and cobble something together and go, oh, it's almost our, oh, yeah, well, that's right. And then it'll, what you'll have is you'll have your... In, uh, your initial um, uh, persona you done here, and then you'll probably write up a new persona here, and they'll both go into drawers, and you'll never look at them again. So, so what you need to make sure is if you're going to spend time redoing it, use them, use them, use them, use them. But it's just outsource the skill because it's a real skill getting the insights out of customers. It is not easy, as you said. It's a journalistic skill, and there are. Wonderful, wonderful customers out there. We we interviewed I think, uh, Amanda Classen, who does this this kind of thing, and she does it professionally. They write, ask the right answers, they draw the right conclusions, um, if you can possibly draw a right conclusion, but they get it right. So outsource it; it'll be quicker, easier, and ultimately cheaper. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it's interesting as well. Like thinking back to an um, interview you did with Amanda. I mean, I think if you've got some, if you get someone who can do this efficiently and well for you, and if they come back and do it again for the next year, so book it in as an annual service almost. I mean, why would you not like you service your fire extinguishers, uh, you know, or, yes. or you know, you service your car? Actually, no, not fire extinguishers. Something that you use all the time. You're using. Yep. You should be using customer persona and understanding of your audience segments to market to them all the time. You like yep. to use your car all the time. But if you never serviced your car, you'd probably end up with a problem over a period of time, wouldn't you? And the whole thing would break down. So it's really important. To, I had to get an analogy in there. It's really important <laughs> to, to do this. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't perhaps, I don't know, you might service the car yourself if you happen to be a mechanic, but you're probably going to send it to the garage and get it done by a professional who can do it far faster and, and actually has all the proper credentials and blah, 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 blah. But it's that thing, isn't it, of... Um, 
of, of getting that done, outsourcing it and, and, and investing the time and money in it. Because then I, I think that's where I think if you get provoked by, you know, an insight that's very different and you go, oh, my goodness. But we always thought that people bought our handbags because they had Cotswold in the name, you know, yeah. but actually it, it's not. It's not. It, it's the fantastic variety of colours or it, or it's the, um, I don't know, the, the ergonomic design that works so well, yeah. you know. It's- and in fact, virtually a lot of our customers don't even know where the Cotswolds are. So why are we putting all over everything? It's just confusing them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we need to focus, if we were to focus more on these great aspects that people say is really great about our handbags, then actually we could go far more international and we could we could expand into yeah. markets we hadn't even thought of because we've never tried to compete in that space before and we'd never communicated directly yeah. about it. Um, but this is great. And and also, I mean, you know, you might find an insight out about, um, I don't know, whether it's sort of like, uh, you know, other halves of people buying handbags and you say, well, have we ever really sort of thought about them? Have we ever tried to market to them? Have we ever tried to get their details to say, oh, you know, I don't know, Christmas is coming up. You might want to think about getting a new little something and something else. Um, and perhaps we hadn't, but perhaps then we discover that's a really valuable segment for us. To yeah. exploit, but we've never really known about the segment. The other thing that I think gets lost in a lot of companies is that marketing people have got these personas and they might be doing using them properly and doing exactly what you described and annually reassessing them da, 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 and never, ever, ever sharing any of that detail with sales. So if which is a complete and like you see it all the time, there's the market and they've got their personas and then the people who are actually and realistically and every day dealing with the customers don't have anything to do with those personas. How wrong is that? In fact, the first thing you should do with a persona is immediately take it to sales and say, is this what they look like? Yeah. Are these assumptions correct? Is this what you're hearing in the field? Because if you don't, you're kind of potentially marketing to someone who doesn't exist at all. Yeah. It's just entirely, even if you've done some questioning of the odd customer, they're not out there at all because the sales team aren't selling to them. Yeah, oh, absolutely. As you said, and, it, and it's, I think it's, 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 um, it's utilizing and, and well, say utilizing, it sounds, it's more, it's bringing people into the whole process, isn't it? Saying you guys are just as, you play a critical role. In fact, yep. you know, you're talking to the customers on a day to day basis. You're the yep. ones who play the more important role than us. I mean, we're coordinating this and sort of, you know, doing the intellectual you know, constructs around it, but you are basically, um, you know, getting the intelligence on the ground in addition to our market researchers coming in and doing this for us. But you're getting this and you're testing these assumptions. And if there's someone they go, oh, it's an interesting insight. I mean, I think it's also that importance of the market researcher who says, well, is this sort of statistically significant or is this something that, gen- is it just a pure one-off anecdotal piece, you know, and the one salesperson says, well, do you know what? No, no, it's all really important that we do X because this is my one customer who thinks this is the most important thing. That's it. And you go, okay, that's one customer compared to 150 yeah. others say, actually, no, it's this. And then it comes into the decisions, doesn't it, about, you know, more the senior management, about, well, who who do we want to target? Who do we want our customers to be? Is it our existing customers and keeping them and having a good re- return and lifetime value from them? Or are we after other areas? So you can see how it just influences, you know, the audiences you're interacting with, influences your strategy, your whole brand, your whole purpose. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that the persona has to be aligned to that purpose, that organisational purpose and brand. And quite often we don't necessarily do that. And if there is a massive disjoint, like, I don't know, say, like like we say, you know, our our handbags uh, are all about... 
being in the heart of the Cotswolds and, and you know, just all the beautiful English countryside. And we could have just wanted to embody that in a handbag. They go really and, well with tweed. Yes, really well with tweed. You can take them on your country walks and go to a nice Cotswold pub. And it's all about that. And, and you know, we're here just to sort of almost promote and, and, and promote that lifestyle. And that's it. And actually, as you say, you find out that, no, people just, most of your customers just love the designs for being the designs they are, or they just love the ergonomics of them. And that's it. And you go, okay, so, I mean, is it harmful for us pushing all this stuff about this brand we have, this idea, this purpose of why we're here? Or, or, or not, and and if 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 or is it a problem? Perhaps is it cutting us off? And but then that's your whole business strategy about well, what's your purpose here? Are you here to try and dominate the ham um, handbag market of the whole of the south of England or the whole world? What 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 is your purpose? Well, that's it, everyone. Thank you very much for listening today. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to keep in touch, you can find us at Meanders Pod on Twitter. Or you can get to us on Facebook. You can also uh, email us, which is meanderspod at gmail.com. So I hope to see you or hear you or you to hear us next time anyway. And uh, good luck, everyone. Take care. Bye for now.